Hello world and welcome to the Opera Podcast here at Yuva Radio. My name is Freddy, I'll be your host today and together we will explore the fascinating world of psychedelics research. And what we're gonna do is look through the lens of science at psychedelic substances, psychedelic states of minds and what we can learn from them. And to do that we at Yuva Radio teamed up with the Amsterdam Psychedelic Research Association also known as APRA, and over the next few episodes we will talk to the core members of APRA and we will invite some really exciting researchers to the studio to see what's going on in the scientific community around psychedelics. We think this will be really, really interesting to the wider student community and we hope to reduce the unfounded stigma and the misconceptions that surround psychedelics still today, even in the academic world. So. Let's get things started today. I'm sitting here together with Marco Akil, the founder of APRA, the one and only. How are you Hello. doing? Hello, Freddy. <laughs> doing fine. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to do this. Yeah, I'm really excited about it as well because I've been interested in the subject for a long time. And I think it's there's a lot to discover here. And I would say let's jump right into it and start at the very beginning. So when and what inspired you to found APRA? What was the outset? Yes, so it happened about two years ago. So we're a very young organization. I was doing an internship at the VU, at the CNCR, which is a neuroscience institute at the VU. And I already had an interest in, in uh, psychedelic research and I was trying to find other people that would be interested. I was trying to find maybe a professor or someone that would be interested in doing some project related to this. And I found a lot of people that were interested, a lot of PhD students, a lot of master students. But I also realized that there was no, virtually no active research going on uh, related to psychedelics in Amsterdam, mm -hmm. uh, which I found very surprising yeah. in some way. And so after a while of, the, of being in this situation where I, I was finding a lot of interest, but not much going on, then I decided to try to do something about it. And then mm. that's how uh, APRA started. Mm. Was that during your uh, master's degree or were you yes, already yes, beyond I was doing, that? Yes, I was doing an internship during my master's oh, yeah, degree. Internship. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's surprising to me as well uh, since there's such a big, yeah, not just neuroscience community, but um, the whole of Amsterdam has a bit of this psychedelic vibe going on, which is also what contributes to its charm in a way. So it's, it's only fitting that something like Opera exists here. And this is also how I found out about it. And you are, you just already said that you instantly found a lot of people who were interested in this. So it wasn't too hard to build an organization like this, it seems. It was still hard to be, I mean, it's not enough to, to find interest, right? Then you need to have the luck to also find people that want to do something about it and then want mm. to like put their time and effort into it. So obviously yeah, mm. it was not, it was not just me. There's quite a few other people that will be here on this podcast as well, mm. some of them that helped but yeah mm. yeah um, i'm curious to find out what what is going on in this whole field so let's start with you what's what's your background or what what field of study do you come from yes so my background is in a field that at a first glance or maybe not very related to psychedelics because i studied mm. uh, physics as an undergrad and then math as a master's degree and now i'm doing a phd in uh, basically computational neuroscience so fMRI 
Mm. So this is a bit closer to psychedelics, even though I'm not doing any research right now that has to do with mm. psychedelics. FMRI, just to, to clarify, it's like a, like a brain scan, basically, right? Yes, magnetic function, magnetic resonance imaging. So it's the big, loud machines where you lay down and mm. you get Were a, a three-dimensional picture of your brain oh, after. Crazy. It's where you you get inserted into a tube? or Yes, is this, yes is it's it the, a tube-shaped yeah. thing. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> I was. I used you to find. In. I used to find these things really scary when I was a kid, and yeah. I had to go go to hospital like a few times to get yeah. it. It's not the most comfortable environment. It's not the be- It's not the most comfortable environment. Mm. But uh, <laughs> you get used to it. Yeah, I guess. It's quite cozy after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been in there yeah. a lot? <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. Do you like? Do you uh, scan your own brain a lot during your research? Well, I do. I run my own experiments on myself as well. <laughs> no, it's important because you want to know. Yeah. You know that it. If, for example, what what we study is vision. Yeah. Uh, where I where I work, and so you often you show you want to show something on a screen mm-hmm. while people are inside the scanner, and so it's important to also scan yourself to make sure that you're you know that the stimulus looks. Uh, the way you want it to look yeah uh, and because otherwise it's you know you, you're never gonna know yeah it must be wild to like look at a computer screen and see your like, your own brain visualized yeah oh, it, wow, is, that's, it is pretty you, weird did, what 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 did you think when you saw that for the first time did you think oh wow this is me or is it was it like uh, i thought yeah. that my head looked quite flat, <laughs> flat. as it does in real life <laughs> the top of my head looks quite flat yeah it's not very round yeah but I guess this is this is somehow remotely similar to the appeal of psychedelics in general, right? Because you, you you can use it as a tool to yeah look at your own mind in a way, or to unlock some deeper levels of cognition and consciousness. So that's why why it's such an interesting tool to research in a in a scientific yeah, context. Yeah, absolutely. As well. There is that famous quote I think by was it by Stanislav Grof? Psychedelics are to psychiatry what the microscope is to biology mm. you know so yeah something along those lines which yeah very I true pretty much agree with yeah but that that quote probably is also quite uh dated by oh, now yeah, right it's very it's old. like yeah so you had this idea already even in the 40s and the 50s yeah. b- before the 60s so the idea of, of using psychedelics as a tool for research and science is not new mm. but it's the first time that it's being taken so seriously, mm-hmm. I would say, within the scientific community. Even though still, as you were saying, there's still a lot of stigma, but also there is a, a wind of change, I would say. Yeah. So there has been some significant, very significant progress in the past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is remarkable. Like, this is very historical. It's a very historical moment when you consider that the history of psychedelics and the research around that is very much tied to the kind of cultural war or the war on drugs, however you want to call it, that followed from from the events of the 60s, basically. Mm-hmm. And that generation that explored psychedelics for the first time and the resulting fears among governments, for example, but mm-hmm. also, I guess, the wider population, even inside the academic world, that's all of a sudden kind of dropped that completely, the, mm-hmm. the research around psychedelics. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for few decades there was absolutely like almost no way at all to conduct any research yeah, with MDMA yeah. or LSD or yeah. these things. It would have been possible only if you were trying to like prove the negative effects. Mm, yeah. So the if even if there was some research going on, the, the funding the, the was only really 
even if you were trying to like prove how bad these things were yeah and not anything else that's incredible because it's you only get funded and published if you confirm what the bias is already pointing to right that's such a yeah such a such an unscientific thing if you think about it right yeah yeah i mean it is but again uh, i think it's good to obviously remember that scientists are regular people yeah and they're not they're not some kind of like non influenced by society yeah, uh, yeah. kind of being so ob uh, science needs funding mm. and if there's no funding then people are not gonna just be able to mm. do it and so if all the funding is directed for political reasons in a specific direction then that's that's what's gonna happen yeah i think this is a great example of the academic system tied to to society to the political system to the media system and and all that so These systems are interdependent, but yeah, one one of the core beliefs or mission statement of uprising is that this unscientific stigma, yet very pertinent in the scientific world, still is unjustified, and we want to contribute to reducing it. So this is the mission and also requirement for this field to thrive. What is Upra doing at the moment to further this cause? So the first aspect that we like try to, uh, to put some emphasis on is having an, as you were just saying, having an unbiased approach to psychedelics, mm -hmm. which means trying to to look at both the positive and negative potential aspects in equal measure and not just concentrating on, on one of them. Uh, in practice, what this means is trying to promote uh, education related to, to research on psychedelics. And this can come in a lot of different ways. For example, first of all, it's something that I'm that I was that I'm very excited about is that uh, at the VU this year during this academic year, for the first time, there was a course that was entirely it was it was an honors bachelor course. So it was only for uh, honors bachelor students. Wow, so el so elitist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was only, which is it was not a choice. Yeah. But uh, that's the only way that it was even possible to do something like this. And that was entirely about the, the medical and scientific aspects of psychedelics. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I, I just mean, this is a start. Mm. This is a starting point. Definitely, we like try to push universities to include more information, more research about psychedelics in the, mm. in the curricula of the degrees where that is relevant. Mm. For example, definitely like neuroscience, psychology, psychiatry. Um, because it's very normal in those kind of uh, degrees to talk about a lot of other psychoactive substances it's very normal to talk about research on tobacco on alcohol on cocaine on, on heroin but you will never hear anything about research on psychedelics until mm. now and we hope to uh, be able to like change this mm. so from within the universities directly within the curricula and then we also organize uh, our own lectures and our own journal clubs and we invite researchers and even just students to speak about topics that they care about so mm. that's that's the other way that we're trying to do this Uh, lectures, journal clubs, we organize symposia. Uh, there is a big conference in April that we're organizing together with Open Foundation. And that is a, kind of really a bigger event because then you have uh, researchers from all over the world coming to like present their work. It's a three-day conference uh, in Harlem. Uh, you can look it up if you're interested. It's, it's called the Interdisciplinary Conference on Psychedelic Research or ICPR. Mm -hmm. Great stuff. Sounds really, really interesting. Maybe we should at this point clarify a bit what psychedelics are because we it's, it's a broad term and it's mm -hmm. also not very, I think there are some ambiguities, for example, about marijuana. Is it psychedelic or sure. not? 
Um, but what would you classify as psychedelics? Sure. So that that's a good point. Um, the 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 classical definition of psychedelics is that of serotonergic hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. So this means substances that are first of all hallucinogens, and second, it means that they act through uh, the 5-HT2A serotonin mm -hmm. receptor. So that is a very that is a very specific class of substances, which, for example, does not include MDMA, does not include cannabis, that which marijuana, so that which all act through like different receptors. Mm -hmm. So this is one way of, of defining it. Uh, this was an interesting kind of problem that came up when we were starting the association because we wanted to, how do we define the focus of the association exactly? Because we wanted to be able to be a bit more broad than that very specific kind of neurophysiological definition. Mm -hmm. And so the way we did it, for we still kept psychedelic in the name of the association because we thought it was important to do that. But in the, if you go read the fine print, let's say, we, we define the, the focus as, uh, I think we said, all substances that show promise for uh, therapeutic or, or scientific or clinical advancements, but there are understudied either yeah. because they have uh, psychoactive effects or because there is stigma or because they are illegal. So we like kind of came up mm -hmm. with this definition that, that allows us to be a bit broader yeah. in the kind of things that we, that we do. Yeah. This is a very comprehensive answer. I also think Amsterdam Psychedelic Research Association sounds better than uh, Amsterdam Serotonergic right. Agonist <laughs> Definitely. So, so there was, a, you see what I mean? There was a yeah, problem totally. that we had to... But I yeah. think to, to, to um, outsiders of the field, it's, we should just maybe list LSD, sure. the magic mushrooms, psilocybin, AKA psilocybin yes. exactly. Mescaline, very, very exotic. These are all the, these are all um, the classical, classical psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, then there's also MDMA and cannabis where yes. it's yeah disputable how to classify them. I guess, I guess you could say there's certain psychedelic potential about mm -hmm. them. What is really important to uprise, that's what I get from you, is that to distinguish the scientific look on these substances from the experiential look, right? Yeah, I mean, it can still be relevant for for some. You know, if you're doing a Obviously, if you're studying psychology, it's quite relevant how these things make you feel mm -hmm. or the, the subjective aspect of the experience. It can, it's, it can be still the, the, the object of a scientific question or a scientific investigation. But yeah, our focus is that is the scientific side. There's mm. uh, quite a lot of other associations or, or groups that are involved with the more experiential side, mm. which is, you know, it's a perfectly interesting and fine thing to, to be interested in. I was definitely... First, I was interested in psychedelics from a personal experience point of view, and then I became interested in the when I was studying physics, and then I became interested also from a purely scientific point of view. Mm -hmm. and with opera, we stay focused on the scientific part. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I think most people get interested in psychedelics from a, a personal experience or a personal interest. Since we were talking about classifying of psychedelics, I think it's worth mentioning that there has been recently so many new substances popping up all of a sudden like synthetic psychedelics all of a sudden you have all these new substances like 2cb or so right so they're popping out in society you mean right but they're not yeah, things like 2cb is not new i mean it has existed for several decades but it's mm -hmm. definitely more prominent like more more common now it was not something that people would know 15 years ago yeah yeah so it's uh it's a strange, it's a strange moment, right? Because definitely, like psychedelics are having a bigger place in in culture, in general mm. culture, 
you know, you had the whole Silicon Valley microdosing hype thing, you know, then yeah. we had the Michael Pollan book that I think resonated with a lot of people mm. that were not already familiar with psychedelics. That was a, a big introduction, I think, to, to what psychedelics can be. So there's definitely a much, much bigger interest in the, the general uh, public and also in, in science to some degree. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you which of them comes first. As, yeah. as we were saying, science is not isolated from society, yeah. right? They kind of have an influence on each other. Yeah. So. And I think it's very, 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 there's a big intersection with culture in this field, especially since um, a lot of what we know about psychedelics is somehow derived from their cultural role that has been assigned to them, first through the hippies, then through the war on drugs, then I guess through the rave movements and all of that. Um, but the reason that I, I asked about this is to shed a bit light on on the differentiation of psychedelics that you have. Mm -hmm. We have spoken about the classic ones mm -hmm. like LSD, psilocybin. DMT. Exactly. DMT, and then there's, then there's the even more obscure ones right. like DMT and... The, there, are still class, there are still classical psychedelics, DMT yeah, you and could say that, I 5 guess. MEO, DMT. Uh, they are serotonergic. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just called them more obscure because mm. I feel like we understand them even less than, than LSD. No, no, I, I get what you mean. You're definitely right because they are, they're both less known in society and, mm. and, and less studied in, in science. So it's, I yeah. understand what you mean. Uh, but those are still serotonergic hallucinogens, so still psychedelics. Mm -hmm. There are other hallucinogens that you, for example, salvia divinorum, which is uh, not, I mean, it's, it's, it's technically not a psychedelic because it's not a serotonergic hallucinogen, mm. but it ha that can have very similar effects to something like DMT. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think we're touching upon like a very central theme in, in the field of psychedelics research, and that's the question, what what is psychedelic? What does it even mean? And I just remembered the talk by Aidan Leon, I think, who works on a unified framework of psychedelics and meditation, I think, uh, something along those lines. And he had he had a different uh, conception of psychedelic, right? It, uh, for, to him, it just means mind-revealing experience. Yeah, that's what the word means. Uh, that's what the, the original meaning of the of the word, what was intended to mean by Humphrey Osmond, which is the mm -hmm. person that came up with that word. Mind-manifesting or mind-revealing to indicate that this subset might bring forward some latent subconscious content of the mind so mm -hmm. that was the the word that they came up with which is it's a broader quite definition a, yeah it's a it's, yes. do you think it's a helpful definition um yeah i think so i mean it, it's something that at this point has been in the culture for for so long and i think it does apply i think it's a good way of describing psychedelics as mind manifesting because it i think it helps remind you that from the experiential point of view, let's say that this is still the content of your own mind, which is a something that a lot of people think that this is information coming from somewhere else. Let's say mm -hmm. um, what you experience to, or that you're going into other realms of existence, like physically. So it's a good way to remind you that this is the content of your own mind, mm -hmm. which is I, I don't think it's a way to diminish the experience. I think mm -hmm. it's a way to say, look, like the human brain and the human mind is something that can do a lot more things than what you mm. are used to thinking in your everyday life. Yeah. Let's put it like this. Coming back to your personal research, maybe, um, can you share some of your findings, your research, or your what what interests you? What are you looking for? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I am 
as I was saying, my background is mainly in uh, um, very quantitative stuff, so like physics and math. So that, that's that's kind of my perspective on on neuroscience. Uh, and I what we're doing now, what I do now is we study the the visual uh, system, so how the visual cortex works, how how our visual experiences encoded in in the brain. Let's say that's which is it's a relatively like simple very relatively simple uh, field within neuroscience but i i like it because it allows you what to does make, simple uh, mean sim- sorry simple <laughs> yeah simple with respect to for example uh, what it's called higher cognitive abilities yeah uh, so that that's uh, per- kind of perception and cognition is a big kind of divide in neuroscience mm. even though they're not really like two different things that's kind of how people split and so i'm more on the perception side which is mm. again relatively simpler yeah but yeah, but the fact that it's simple, it allows you to uh, make models, make mathematical models, make computational models that are a bit mm-hmm. more explicit and that are a bit more testable and that have a bit less assumptions than what you often see in like cognitive neuroscience, let's say. So okay. That's why I'm interested in this. Um, and of course, I would, be, I mean, you can see that if I study the visual system, you see why also someone would be interested in, 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 uh, in psychedelics if, yeah. if you're interested in how, how the visual part of the brain works. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of pattern recognition, I guess, that's going yeah. on. Yeah, this is super, super interesting. Um, okay. And do you want to share a personal experience about psychedelics? I think I can share what I learned, I would say, from my, you know, or what, what the impact has been on, on my own view so the, more the long-term mm-hmm. kind of effects, let's say, <laughs> rather than the the short-term effects. So I, w- I would say that I'm, a, again, I come from a very scientific background or very analytic, very rational kind of background. And definitely psychedelics helped me realize the, the limits of, of this approach and the fact that it has limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot, of pe- a lot of people that are very rational and they, they like to be very rational, very skeptic, which is a good thing. But often you you tend to not realize that that is a closed system. That rationality is a is a closed system. And so, yes, I think psychedelics open you up for the possibility of experiences that, that defy uh, a rational description. Let's say. Mm, and so yeah. that is a is a good thing to re- to remain aware of as a scientist. Mm. It's always good to. I mean, you you want to be skeptic of. The thing that you're doing as a scientist you want to be able to be critical of what you're doing and be aware of its limits and not take it too seriously mm-hmm. in some sense and so that definitely something good that i think positive that psychedelics did for me on a personal mm-hmm. very personal level yeah that's really interesting that's some food for thought where do you see people applying the research that's going on in in, mm-hmm. in, in psychedelics research mm-hmm. where do you see its its best fit yeah, I mean, I think the most immediate application, I mean, in, in psychiatry, mm-hmm. this is this is a really like a major moment for psychedelics in, in psychiatry because there, there, there has been a major lack of, of treatments for a lot of psychiatry conditions that psychedelics, I think, can, can do a lot about. There have been clinical trials for uh, depression and addiction particularly mm-hmm. so i think those two again depression and addiction mm-hmm. so using psychedelics in combination with psychotherapy to treat uh, depression or addiction i think it's a major uh, part of the developments that we're going to see in the next years and 
uh, just to be clear, because I, I had this question some other times, uh, when, when, we, when we talk about treating, for example, addiction with psychedelics, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean substituting one substance with another. Because like, that's, that's, the, that's the standard model of treating addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, if someone is addicted to heroin, you start giving them methadone mm -hmm. and then you hope that slowly that that kind of is able to it's a bit less yeah, uh, strong than heroin and hopefully that they they this is a completely different approach mm -hmm. from uh what psychedelics do which is uh trying to break the pattern of addiction uh, mm -hmm. that someone has and, and trying to provide let's say a new stimulus that that allows the person to to develop a new pattern of behavior Mm -hmm. Let's say so. It's about a single experience and and changing a pattern. It's not about a repeated administration and just substituting something with something that is less uh, intense. Let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same goes for when when we talk about depression and psychedelics. Again, the current paradigm for depression is SSRIs, right? So th that's the standard. Um, so an antidepressants. Yes, right? antidepressants. Uh, yes. Are very yes. much like uh, numbing, altering right. your brain chemistry deeply, right? Yes, this so this I mean and, and this listen they, they work really well for mm -hmm. some people. Um, so these SSRIs are substances that have a tendency to sort of numb uh, all your emotions, let's say, and mm -hmm. so that can help uh, for people that have depression. Um, at the same time, it's something that you kind of become dependent on because you have to keep taking them mm -hmm. for them to to be effective. And again, also here the the the, the approach with psychedelics is completely different. So it's always combined with psychotherapy. You would never would give psychedelics to someone in a clinical context and just let them go uh, <laughs> yeah, on their own. You yeah, you, it, which is what people do with SSRIs, right? You just yeah. give them and they're like, okay, now you're on your own and see how it is. Yeah. So psychedelics are always used uh, in combination with multiple, many sessions of psychotherapy and then culminating in one or one or two or, or few sessions where someone actually receives uh, psychedelic substances. Mm -hmm. And again, combined with a lot of follow-up uh, integration se uh, sessions to allow the person to yeah. uh, get some perspective on, on the experience and, again, their patterns of behavior. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really, really interesting. Besides the, the this clinical context, I think there's also a lot about uh, a lot of crosstalk with meditation and, and mindfulness and these uh, types of practitioners going on, right? Ah, uh, it def it's definitely someone else's <laughs> special specialty. It's not mine, but uh, yeah, well, there are there seem to be some commonality between uh, psychedelic experiences and and uh, meditative states. It's still a very open field. I I mean I know that, that there's not that much literature, so there is also not that much to know. Mm -hmm. But uh, there is a recent review paper by Raphael Miller. So mm -hmm. if you Google it, you can find it. If you Google Raphael Miller. Uh, psychedelics meditation you're gonna find it where he did a very extensive comparisons comparison of what we know scientifically about uh, meditation states and, and psychedelics and trying to uh, see what what's common and what's different and people have opinions and there's i mean there's no consensus right? at least there's no like scientific consensus on it mm. yeah really exciting um let's talk about the future a bit Where do you see um, this whole field of psychedelic research going right now? Um, yeah, that, that is a very, there's a million dollar, not even a million, that's yeah, a billion dollar a, question. probably no like definite <laughs> answer to that. Yeah, but, no, um, it's very, I mean, what do you see? Because like, there's so many, on? there's so many variables, there's so many different things that mm. could happen. Uh, on, on my side, that what I hope to see is I hope to see more research. 
I hope to see more unbiased scientific research. So mm-hmm. I hope to see uh, this field being taken more and more seriously within neuroscience. I hope to see both the positive and negative aspects of psychedelics being investigated in depth without assuming that mm. it's only one or the other. And on the other hand, what you also see if you're in this field, you see a lot of a surge of interest from the business people. From the because mm. this is a like like it happened for marijuana, really? as you can see. Like yeah. so, there is this interaction between uh, uh, there as there was between like marijuana and kind of. Uh, capitalistic like business interest same thing is happened yeah. is happening right now with psychedelics you have a lot of uh, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting i would love to to dive deeper into this particular thing at one point but for now well thanks for sharing all of this with us i think Thank it's you. Uh, time to wrap up this episode for now but there will be more and they will be very exciting i'm really looking forward to speaking to more APRA members To everyone out there, make sure you check out APRA's website and follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. There's a journal club on the 10th of March in the rooms of the VU, I suppose. Yes, it's going to be at the VU. There's going to be a talk by Aidan Leon. We uh, briefly touched upon his subject earlier. And be ready to have your mind blown. And also, if you're as fascinated as we are by psychedelics, consider joining APRA. Membership is exquisite and only 10 bucks per year for students, mm-hmm. as far as I know. And all these fees go into the organization of events, film screenings and other costs because APRA is a non-profit organization run by volunteers. That means people like yourselves. And that's it for now, guys for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this episode and come back for the next one cheers to that thank you for it. <laughs>